Hey guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Amanda. And this right here is Allegedly. so glad you're joining us and would love to grow the Allegedly family. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by searching Allegedly TCP. Our website link can be found on any of our social media or in the show notes below. You can email us at allegedlytruecrime at yahoo.com. Also, please rate, review, or share this podcast on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Hi guys! Hello, hello! Welcome, We're, welcome! Yes, we are here for Season 1, Episode 6 part two of Hinter Um, which is crazy. I mean, I can't believe I this. could not wait to get into this because I have been thinking about this all week. So I just, I want to <sighs> tell you guys a couple things, um, that we had been going on, like what we've had going on. Um, the other day, I think it was after, well, no, it was right before episode five was posted. Amanda had come over to my house and I had just got done washing, I think it's a whiskey bottle. And I I'm using it in order to do something with it and I tipped it upside down to let it dry and all the water come out of it. And Amanda was standing in my kitchen and we're just oh, yeah. talking about Hinter Kaifek. Now before we started talking about Hinter Kaifek we were actually talking about like I think your girl's gymnastics or something. Yeah. The bottle had been standing upside down. The whole time we were talking for it like was 20 like 10, minutes. Yeah 10 20 minutes something yeah. crazy. All of a sudden I bring up Hinter Kaifek. I no sooner say Hinter Kaifek, that bottle falls. Tipped right over. Tipped right over. It was fine for 10 to 20 minutes. And then I bring up Hinter Kaifek and all hell breaks loose. Yep. I don't know even what's going on with that. Yeah. It, That's insane. Creepy. Uh, which I guess would be a good time to talk about the uh, voice that was at 54 minutes into the first part episode. one. Yeah. Um, James pointed it out to me and I thought I had heard it, but I wasn't sure. And then I just never went back because my mind is like that scatterbrain. And James had listened to part one of Hinter Kaifak and went, um, so what is that voice? And so I had to go back and listen. I've listened to it over and over again today. Um, somebody else who listens, John, he went back and listened to it. He thinks it's saying like, no, but I don't know what it's saying. I don't know either, but I just listened to it in Ashley's kitchen while we were making dinner. I listened to it about three or four times and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I'm not quite sure what the heck they're saying or who's saying it or why. Right, because we are in the breakfast nook by ourselves. Yeah. In the other side of the house while up front, your girls were up front, but they were quiet. They I do were not dead remember. quiet. They didn't come bother us. No, nothing. We couldn't hear their devices. Nothing. Um, so that being said, it wasn't them. No. And because James got us this microphone, it's not supposed to pick up anything. Right. It's just supposed to focus right here. Right. So anything that's not right in front of it, which would be us or anything right in here. And so I don't know what that noise was. It's very odd. But quickly, I just want to say that we are getting, I know that Hinter Kaifak part one was a little rough and that's because you can hear things, tapping, whatever. Um, we're trying to 
maneuver our microphone connect correctly. Yeah, so we're still trying to, you know, iron out the kinks here. But I, I think it's going it's going well. People yeah. are enjoying the content. We're just trying to get the quality to be the best that it can possibly be. Right. That being said, let's let's jump into the episode. Um. So I think last time I know you're super. You excited. can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but I'm like so, She's excited. so excited. I'm so excited. Um. But I did say this is part two. We are going to have a part three. So I'm going to end up leaving you again. Um, but let's try to think back. Do you remember what happened in part one? Um, where we left off, we had Lorenz Schlittenbauer, right? And he initially told the police that he was the father of Victoria's illegitimate child, Joseph, right. the little one. Um, but then what, nine years after the murders, which we haven't even covered the murders yet. Right. Which James did yell at me about. He's like, you didn't even cover the murders yet. And I'm like, yeah. And that was an hour episode. In due time, James, in due time. Yeah. If that makes you want to come back. Exactly. Um, it's like the ice cream. It's, you know, like the dessert after a meal. You, I gave you the meal and now you have to come back for the murderous dessert, right? It's so. not the analogy I would have used, but if you like it, okay. <laughs> sure. Probably no good, but... I would have murderous dessert. Um, or use it. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, um, so he had taken back the fact that he is not the father. <laughs> and we went, he went back and forth with yeah. Victoria's father about the incest. And so I think what we've gathered is that Andreas Gruber was actually the father of Joseph. And the grandfather. So, right. So he is now the father of his daughter's child, but they were trying to pay off Lorenz. That's my opinion. That's what I gather. It's what it sounds like. That's what Lorenz made it sound like. Sound like. And it makes sense. sense. Right. Those of you just joining us, please go back and listen to part one because not otherwise make any sense that too. was all a lot of news for you. Yeah. Like there's incest in this. You just need to go back. Yep. So let's get it back into his statement. We're going back into his statement from April 5th, 1922. So this is right after the murders. Yeah. Okay. Again, you don't know what happened yet. So, Lorenz said, on Saturday, April 1st, 1922, around noon, a coffee dealer came to my property and Gruber. My wife ordered coffee. Do you remember that he, he wasn't he wasn't married? Remember his wife had died? So I'm not sure why he said that. Yeah, I thought it was just him and his kid. Kid yeah. kid two boys. Right? I don't I don't know. But remind you, this is all translated from German. Who knows what that means? Somebody must have ordered coffee. So he said, I don't know the name nor the name of the company that supplies the coffee. Apparently, he felt like that was going to be of some sort of information. The coffee should arrive in 12 days. <laughs> he's, 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 I think he's just talking. Sounds like somebody that would do, somebody would do that if they were really nervous, maybe? Yeah, yeah. He's like, so they're just getting out things. nervous talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've got coffee coming in 12 days, 12 days. if you want to try it. 12 days. I don't know kind. I don't know who makes it, but if you want to come back in 12 days, we can have a cup. All right, so then he gets into this part where he says, the coffee merchant told my family that no one could be found at Gabriel's property. It's really like the, well, I guess it is Gabriel's property and the Grubers are living there. It's the right, Gru right. Goober, Gruber, Gabriel. Gruber, Gabriel property. Because in that country and back then, they often categorized a property by who was on the deed. Okay, that doesn't and it mean was that, the Gabriels. And it was Gabriels, but that doesn't mean that was the only people that lived there. Right. On Tuesday, April 4th, 
1922, around 3 a.m., a mechanic came to my property and told my daughter, Victoria Schlittenbauer, to tell the Gabriel family that he had the engine have now prepared. So, because right, the mechanic showed up, waited right. an hour, and he was like, well, heck, I've been hired for a job. I'm just going to go in and do it. Right. He continues and says, he said that he had not found anyone in the property and that everything was locked. I learned all this at Vespers. I don't know what that means. Hmm. At the same time, I was told that a coffee dealer was there and said that nobody had seen anybody in the Gabriel estate. This thing struck me as suspicious and I thought I should look into it. I then had my two sons... Johann Schlittenbauer, 16 years old, and Joseph Dick, 9 years old, asked them to go to the Gabriels and knock on the windows and look through the windows into the rooms to see if nobody was in the house. Also, I told them if they see anyone from the Gabriel family to say the engine is now fixed. Shortly thereafter, my sons came back and stated that they saw no one heard something whining in the cattle barn and the cattle screaming. Oh my. I then arranged for my, do, my two neighbors, Michael Pohl and Jacob Siegel, I think is that, is that's how it said, to go with me to the Gabriel's dwelling. It was now Tuesday, the 4th of April at 5 p.m. We all... We found all the doors locked except the door leading to the engine room. A barn door led from the machine house into the threshing floor. I don't know what any of that means. He's trying to give a layout here. Right. Uh, we're not from Germany, so I'm unsure. This gate was locked from the inside in such a way that on the inside of the gate, a pole was firmly attached from the gate to the beam. I then ordered the gate to be ripped open, which we succeeded in doing. In the middle of the threshing floor stood a hand-operated shredder. The door leading from the threshing floor to the left into the stables was open and a young cow looked out of the same. I led the way towards the stable door. Hay was stored in front of this. I stepped on some and stumbled against the door. The cow, meanwhile, went back into the stable aisle as soon as it was released from the chain. I ignored my stumbling. On the other hand, Michael, who was walking behind me, called, There's a foot! I replied, that would be even nicer. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Again, translated from German right, so into it could, English. Right. Who knows what it means? Right. I turned around and grabbed the foot, pulled it to the corner, and realized that this was Andreas Gruber. <gasps> no. Yeah. I know that's a lot to take in, and we still have a lot more to get into, so I'm going to need you to stay with okay. me. I'm, it's I'm not, right. like, I'm, making a whole lot of sense, I, I, but I, I, I'm on the edge of my seat. I cannot keep yeah. going. I took a closer look at the square and noticed that there were more people lying on the ground. I then remarked to the other companions whether these people were dead and pulled away. 
namely Gruber, which was Andreas, and Cazelia from the hay. I put the ladder down one and a half meters further to the left against the machine. I had believed that two and a half year old Joseph, my son, could also be there and could perhaps still be saved. After seeing that they gave no sign of life, I let the other people go and went through the stable aisle and into the apartment to look for my son. So, he has now found Andreas and Cazelia Gruber. He cannot find his so-called son. This is still when he's saying this is my son. Right, right. So now he says, it says apartment. It was the house. It was the main house. He's going to look for Joseph. In the stable aisle, I had to avoid a cow and therefore climbed into the parallel bars. Then I saw a cross pickling against the wall in parallel bars. I then went into the kitchen and from there into the bedroom. There I found my son lying in the stroller with his head crushed. I then opened the door leading into the courtyard and let in my companions who no longer followed me from the threshing floor. I then went into the little room next to the kitchen. There was the bed, the duvet on the floor. I lifted the bed and saw a female corpse under it, which was unknown to me. Next to this body lay a packed backpack. I thought it was a hamster from Augsburg or somewhere else. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I read this over 14 times. I was I don't know so the on the edge of my seat, and then you said hamster, and I was like, wait. <laughs> I don't know where the hamster came in. I don't understand. But, again, translations. Right. So, all three of us left the house. While Siegel and Paul went back to Groburn, I stayed behind near the Gabriel house. At the same time, I gave my son, Johan, the order to ride his bike to the mayor in Wingden and inform him of the murders. But how did Johan get there? Because he didn't go. I don't know. That's the thing that I don't understand, so I'm not sure. All right, continue. Meanwhile... Several farmers from the village of Groburn came to the Gabriel estate. The farmer's son, Aelos Schwagerin, I don't know. I gave the order to go to Wadehofen and arrange for the relatives of the murdered to be informed of the events by telephone. This was at 6 o'clock in the evening. In the meantime, several people from the area have gathered. I didn't allow anyone access into the living rooms or the whole house. I then took care of the cattle and I fed them. After the arrival of the Gendarmerie, that's not right. I don't know what that means. And the mayor, which was Gregor George von Wingden. Wingen. I don't know if after this I'm ever doing anything from Germany again. Yep, mutation, spelling, it's so weird. bad. Um, I didn't bother anyone about anything anymore. I would also like to point out that Gruber, who has passed away, gave me a call on Thursday, March 30th, 1922, in the morning, around 11 o'clock, 
in the field that he had been attacked by burglars the night beforehand been haunted. Is that the footsteps that he saw? I have no idea. Remember? Remember? Yeah, the footsteps in the yeah. snow. I, he's never said anything. And then anything. Heard, heard stuff in the attic? Right. They heard things in the attic. There was a missing key. There was a new newspaper. There were the footsteps. But I, he never said anything to anybody about being attacked. Yeah. So that's odd. Um, he noticed and followed the tracks in the fresh snow but didn't find any tracks leading from the house. In doing so, he noticed that the lock on the engine compartment door had been torn open. The burglars, two of them by the way, would also have been in the engine house, but would not have taken anything from them. Gruber also said that impressions of crushed, crushing tools can be seen on the door to the feed room. Okay, so what I'm gathering here is that was the other weird thing that Andreas did tell people was there were marks on the lock, like somebody had been trying to get in there. Right. My question here is, it sounds like Lorenz is saying that possibly people came, two burglars, came out of the witch's wood and went into the engine room. Right? Nothing However, was taken. Right. Nothing was taken. Nothing was like, they just somehow got into the engine room. But remember, in part one, we talked about the mechanic who needed to come fix something in the engine room. It yeah. was locked. It was locked. And he, he had, broke it. He had to break the lock. That being said, it sounds like Lorenz is saying that somebody stayed in the engine room and then killed these people. From my understanding, the murder has already happened before the engine room was already broken into by the mechanic. Right. They were already so, dead. Right. Yeah, something, so something. I'm highly confused what with what Lorenz is trying to paint. Right, here. either the translation is coming off where we can't really understand it, or he's telling you I don't trust him. Or right, exactly. That was my next. I don't think I trust something, him. Something. Yeah. But mind you, he he's over here talking about coffee, and he doesn't know who the who supplies it or Dude, who we don't the care. coffee dealers were and what time it'll be in. No. That none of that matters. Yeah, none of it. So again, I think he's just—I think he's making up a story. It yeah. almost sounds like he's just talking this. Yep. So he continues. Okay. So Lorenz continues. As far as I know, the Gruber family was well off. I reckon they had about a hundred thousand marks in cash. Hmm. Okay. So a hundred thousand marks in cash would be equivalent in U.S. dollars to $53,248.67. So essentially, it's less here, so it's a lot there. And of course, this is in 1922, so that would be a lot today. Um, just for those who have no idea, um, it's German marks. Right. So he continues, coins may also have been in her, their possession. They also hold mortgage bonds from various banks. I do not know where the money and securities are deposited. I cannot express any suspicion of a specific person who could be the perpetrator. I also can't say that the Gabriel family had any enemies. The people were frugal and hardworking. I cannot state whether the family had special friends and acquaintances and whether they received frequent visitors. 
nor can I state whether anyone knew the circumstances of the deceased. They lived withdrawn and closed. I can't say that the family has had any major income recently. As my son Joseph Dick told me, Kazelia Gabriel hasn't come to the Wadenhofen School since Saturday, April 1st. I therefore assume that the murder took place on the night of April 1st. I conclude this because Andreas Gruber was only in his underpants and shirt and Kazelia in a shirt and the other three women were still dressed. Finally, I would like to mention that I left the hay as it was spread out on the corpses, except for what the released cattle ate up during the time. Oh, gross. Yeah, so there's a lot to talk about here. There were six people in this house, okay? So in the house, he had talked about he found a female body and he found his son Joseph. So who are we missing? We have... Well, he found the two in the barn. Right, so... And then he found the baby, Joseph. Right, so that's the... And then a lady under the bed. Right, so So who are we missing? Who are the other two? We're missing young Cazelia and Victoria and Maria, okay? Because we have Andreas Gruber, we have Cazelia, the older one, Mm -hmm. and we have Joseph. Those ones we know for sure. Then we have the mystery woman. We don't know who she is. So we have those three. The mystery woman could be... Any one of those females. Any one of the females. So, he didn't mention that he found the other ones was in the barn. So where is everybody else? I don't know. But let's talk it out. In short, the bodies of Andreas and Cazelia, um, Victoria and little Cazelia were actually all found in the barn. Okay. He didn't go on to mention all that, but that's what they were. And the bodies were actually stacked on top of each other. Almost like firewood. Um, And then they were covered in hay. Almost like they were being like, that's not there. Like they were hiding them. So they stacked them up, put hay all over it like it was a hay bale, and left them. So if somebody were to look in there, they wouldn't know any different. Just that it was a hay bale. Right. And then a door had been placed on top of them before the hay was there. So it's almost like, all right, kill these people, stack them, put a door on top of them, and then cover it in hay. Joseph and the maid Maria were the ones followed, or found inside the house. They were also covered by items, like coats and jackets. Again, concealing things. So... At this time that the murders happened, Germany was still reeling from the effects of the Great War, and the local police were overwhelmed with what was going on with the war. Sure, yeah. It's almost like, um, not to like equate it, but when September 11th happened, and police and ENT and firemen all flocked to the city, that's when people were like, oh, there's not a lot of police let me, I can get away with something because it'll take forever for something to get here. So that's what it was like in Germany at this point. So police from Munich, it was headed by George Reingruber. They were called in. They arrived another 24 hours later with a police photographer. The photographer took five pictures of the crime scene. That's it? 
Yeah, like but it's 1922. True. So. Also true. Also, what was their camera? Was it that thing with the smoke? Yeah. Maybe true. they could. What? Yeah. Crazy. Um, however, I found something that said this was actually unusual for 1922. Oh. Which I guess really shows the impact of the burner. I guess maybe five photos were far too much for this. Nonsense. Must have been really bad for that time. Yeah. Yeah. So they ended up staging a photo to make it look like what he had found. So they redid, they put the bodies back up on top of each other to take a photo of what it looked like, like what Loren said, because he moved everything. But we don't know if he's telling the truth or not. So why would you? Right. But he moved the bodies. He moved the hay off the bodies. He moved the bodies. So now we don't know, we're just going on what, what he, he says. says he found. Okay, so, yeah, he, he found the bodies, and then, but then in his statement, he didn't say how many were there. Yeah. But when the police showed up, there's four bodies in the barn. So yeah, I don't know what he Lorenz, sounded like he only mentioned two. Yeah, he did. I don't understand what's going on with Lorenz. Yeah. Baffling, um, baffling. So, unfortunately, it seemed that Mr. Ryan Gruber, the police officer there, was absolutely useless in this entire thing. I'm not, I don't like him. Oh, are we about yeah. to find out why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to know why? Because he went in, strolled around the crime scene one time, and then declared it to be a robbery turned violent before heading back to Munich. The, what? But he didn't investigate. No, 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 he did. He no, walked, no, no. He didn't. He did. He walked around and said, yep, robbery turned violent. Goodbye. That is literally what he did. I know. They can't see your face. I'm sorry. I'm... I don't like any of that. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? That's horrible. Of course. He should go into a different... Um, he should not have been a police officer. I don't know. I don't... I don't know. I've got nothing. Oh my god. So the evidence, of course, was saying something else. Obviously. So here's. We're going to read an excerpt from George's report. George, okay. the police officer. Mm -hmm. This is what he wrote In a threshing floor, we found four bodies. As the local guide, Lorenz Schlittenbauer, told us, the corpses were no longer in their original position. The bodies were described by the sled builder as follows. One, Andre, Andreas Gruber, he's the farmer, 70 years old, um, which is wrong because he was like 63. Kazelia Gruber, his wife, it says around 70 years old. Mind you, she was what, nine, nine years older, something like that. Three, Victoria Gabriel, the farmer's widow, 35 years old, daughter of the aforementioned, she was born in 87, 19, or 1887, in Kaifa. And then little Kazelia, it says Kazelia Gruber, about eight years old, daughter of Victoria Gabriel. So those are the people who were found in the barn. Oh my. All right. All four bodies 
had severe skull injuries and were lying in pools of blood. Andreas Gruber was only wearing pants and a shirt. The girl, Cazelia, was only wearing a shirt. The two women were still wearing their workday clothes. An unlocked door leads from the threshing floor to the stable passage. There was a lot of blood spatter on the door. Along the stable aisle, you come to a forecourt and from there to the kitchen. In the stable passage itself, there was a lot of hay and other fodder. We couldn't find any blood here. In the feeding trough, on the corner leaned a so-called cross axe. Schlittenbauer stated that this axe was used on April 4th afternoon, laying in the feeding barn and being licked off by the cattle. So it had blood on it and the cattle were just licking it off. He continues, George's continues here. He leaned the pickaxe against the wall in the parallel bars. Inspection of the pimple revealed that there are brown red spots on the stalk. The so-called house, which in my opinion, should be called bloodstains. Mm-hmm. This is said to be the property of the homeowners. So the axe is the theirs. Yeah. Where this was actually cut permanently could not be, ter- be, ter- be determined. Mm-hmm. So from the last mentioned forecourt, we entered the kitchen. There were a few blood stains visible on the stone pavement, but no imprints, footprints, things like that. Going in the same direction from the kitchen, we came into a chamber. There lay a woman with a severe skull injury in a large pool of clotted blood. There is a bed to the right of the corpse. As the findings revealed, this dead person is the same person as the unmarried maid, Maria Baumgartner. The dead woman was still fully clothed. A door leads east from the kitchen into the hallway. There was also a blood stain on the floor. A door to the left of the hallway led to the bedroom. There were three boxes, two beds standing together, a cot and a stroller. The two and a half year old son, Joseph, of the widow, Victoria Gabriel, lay in the little cart with a smashed skull. The beds and the bed in the children's bed barn were not freshly made. So it seems as though they were slept in and weren't made. He continues, on one bed next to the cupboard lay various documents and also an empty wallet. The boxes were not locked. Traces of the use of force on the same were not evident. As it later turned out, the cabinets were already, it says already on 4.4 from the gens present, been searched. So, again, we're going with... Translation and everything. Essentially, it seems as though they were searched. Is that That's what he's saying. He says there were bloodstains on the floor again, but no footprints. To the right of the hallway, a door leads to the living room. Apparently, nothing had been ransacked there. Apparently, the murder was only aimed at cash, and when we searched all the rooms, including the basement, for paper money, only a five-mark note was found in a prayer book. 
a man's pocket watch and two women's watches, a ring, chains, rosaries, and similar peasant jewelry were found in the cupboards. The following coins were also found in a cash box in the bedroom in the cupboard next to the bed. 1,780 marks in gold and 20 mark pieces, 10 individual 10 mark pieces, 159 individual 1 mark pieces, 3 2 mark pieces, 14 3 mark pieces, 24 5 mark pieces, and 1 20 penny piece in silver. And it was all there. And it was all there. So how was this a robbery gone bad? There was also a purse containing 5.5 marks in aluminum, 1.5 marks in nickel tens, 90 in war money, 5 individual, and 8 individual in aluminum. In aluminum. So they found that. There was also a tin piggy bank, which had 6.58 marks in it. In addition, there were various mortgage bonds, totaling 15,100 marks, not including the interest sheets. According to an existing deposit slip, part of the associated interest rate curves are deposited at a bank. From the available contract notes, it should be possible to, de to determine how many were bought or sold, if any were sold at all. A considerable amount of paper money may have fallen into the hands of the perpetrator. <clears throat> Among other things, the assumption was made that the murderer may have had 100,000 marks in cash. They planned to build a stable. Okay? So the Gabriels and them were going to build a stable. Ah. So now he's saying they took the 100,000 marks, but left all the rest. I don't no. know. It should not go unmentioned that Miss Gabriel borrowed 5,000 marks to buy an engine in October 1921, and 3,000 marks to pay for a threshing wagon in February 1922 from her stepsister. Andreas Gruber is said to have recently borrowed 10,000 marks from Mayor Joseph Frey in Weidenhofen. The act itself was undoubtedly committed Friday evening, perhaps between 8 and 11 a.m. It says Friday evening and then 8 and 11 a.m. I don't know. I don't know. But that sound, that's what's right, okay? Because they were murdered Friday, March 31st, not Saturday, April 1st, like Lorenzo. He continues and says, This may be inferred from the fact that Andreas Gruber was only clad in underpants and a shirt, and Cazelia Gabriel, or Gruber, only in a shirt. Both may have already been in bed beforehand or made preparations to go to bed. So he thinks they were already in bed or going to bed. He said, so far there is no tangible evidence of the perpetrator or perpetrators. So he feels like he can't find anything. But it was a robbery gone bad. It should also be mentioned that the mayor, Lorenz Schlittenbauer, who came with us to the murder site, showed a somewhat excited demeanor. He talked a lot and made himself important in other ways took care of everything, and was also very well acquainted with the domestic circumstances of the murdered. He knew best. He also offered to take care of two young sick pigs, which had apparently suffered badly from hunger and thirst, hmm. with the consent of Mayor, the other mayor. Mm -hmm. He housed the pigs in his dwelling, so he did take the pigs. 
The excitement of the sled builder can perhaps be explained by the fact that his own child, two-and-a-half-year-old Joseph Gruber, was among those murdered. Now, it said Joseph Gruber, but I'm pretty sure she named him Joseph Gabriel. Yeah. I don't think they know their Grubers from the Gabriels as yeah. much as I don't think he knows his ass from his elbow. Right. I agree. When he was still a widow, Schlittenbauer had a widow relationship with Victoria. Her husband fell in the field, 1915 or 1916, maintained a relationship that was not without consequences. Schlittenbauer would also have married Gabriel or Victoria Gabriel, but the father, Andreas Gruber, did not agree to the marriage. Things we all know. Yep. He paid the boy's alimony in full in advance and then married another woman. There it is. Ah. He is considered to be well off. Later, he was also associated with the Gruber and Gabriel families and had not been estranged from them. So he still talked with them. The couple... Gruber and Mrs. Gabriel, so Andreas, Cazelia, and Victoria, were considered wealthy people. They lived frugally, oh. withdrawn, and socialized little. They have not spoken to their relatives about their circumstances. It was known in the area that the family had cash and mortgage bonds. It can be assumed that the perpetrator or perpetrators were aware of these circumstances. It is also noted that, assuming he could also be recently released prisoner, all prisoners who live here and who have been recently released are surveyed about their stay on March 31st. In addition, the Landsberg, Strobing, and Kashim prisons have been asked to provide a list of the names of the prisoners who have recently been released. On the basis of these directories, the corresponding residents surveys all of the individual releases, and then are initiated about their stay at the critical time. The police dogs could not pick up a scent from the perpetrators, and it should be borne in mind that in the meantime, there has been a snowfall and raining weather. Great. End of quote. <clears throat> so much to unpack there. I don't know. He does not know anything that's going no. on. He doesn't know a no. darn thing. Nope. He, like I said... Looked around one time when robbery turned violent and left. But this statement, he's like, there's perpetrators. They took everything, but this is everything we found. But then we can't find anything about a perpetrator. So what are you talking about? It's like he's just talking out of his ass. It was so many circles. So many circles. <laughs> he was hoping that he would do so many circles that nobody would link them all together and be like, dude. No, you are contradicting everything that you're saying. Uh, between him and Lorenz, everybody's contradicting everything. Dude, if it was a robbery, they would have taken, taken mm -hmm. way more. Well, he's saying they just took the what? The hundred thousand marks and called it a day. No. But they didn't take all the cash. They found a purse with cash in it. They found all that other cash. Yeah, Ooh, the no. piggy bank. No. So when the house was searched, odd clues were found in the attic. Which is where the noise was coming from, remember? Yes. The first maid said there were ghosts in and the attic. And she quit, remember? Mm-hmm. And the family said that at one point they heard things in the attic, but when Andreas looked, he found nothing. However, there did seem to be signs that one or possibly two people had been sleeping in the hay. So, is that in the barn? I have a map of the layout of, like, the house, so you'll see it's all kind of connected. 
The way, but it says the way that the hay was across the floorboards, it seemed as though it had been put there deliberately to soften footsteps. Opinion is divided over whether this was the killer or killers in hiding, or if it was a secret place that Andreas took Victoria from time to time. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but I don't think that's what it is. Can we be certain? No, we can't. That's just what my gut is telling me. Police be believe that the four murdered in the barn were not done all at once, but they were lured there one at a time. The police conducted reenactments and found that any screaming in the barn could not be heard from the house. Oh, okay. So this begs the question of how. How can someone lure others in one at a time into the barn? If you can't hear them. If you can't hear them yelling. So, did the killer go into the house and get each one? If that's the case, how come nobody fought back? You've got six dead people. How come nobody fought back? Or, did the killer somehow know the family and therefore the family felt safe? Were the family members used against each other to lure each person in the barn? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if we went down the basement, I don't think we could hear screaming from the basement um, I know you, my family knows you. So if you, Amanda, if you came to murder us and we know you and you said, Hey, Ashley, let's go down to the basement. I want to show you something. You would come with we me. We go down to the basement. But then you're like, Oh wait, you know what? Tara would like this. Go grab Tara and come back down. So I come up and I say, Hey Tara, come down to the basement. I'll meet you down there. So now I go down. I'm alone with you. You kill me. Tara is now on her way down. Yeah. You say to her, because now you've got me hidden for a moment, and you're just like, oh, mom just went. Yeah. She's, she's coming for me in the back. Yeah. Right. She's grabbing something. Um, but run up and grab Landon, because I wanted him to come see it too, but your mom didn't grab her, or grab him. Right. So go grab him. So then it's just, it plays right. over again. Yeah. So then Tara comes back down without Landon, you kill Tara, and then Landon. So that's the other question. Is that how that played out? Um, apparently no one knows the order in which the family was killed. They don't know if Andreas went first or Cazelia or Victoria or... Right. They don't know. We could say the pile of bodies left could be an indicator as who was killed first because Lorenz disturbed it. We don't know. But we also don't know if they were stacked in order of death. Yeah. But there we don't no know how know. they were stacked. Were they stacked shortest to tallest? Were they stacked oldest to youngest? Were they stacked, okay, we killed him first, put him on the bottom. Heaviest to lightest. We what, don't know. Yeah. At the time of the investigation, no murder weapon could be found at the scene. Except for that one axe that was being licked off of. Yeah. But I think what that was was blood splatter. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. So this made them think logically that the killers took it with them. Because people do that. Once police had finished their 24-hour search, the pathologist set up a makeshift table and performed the autopsies right there on the site. That's like, you know, on-site massages. We're just going to do this right here. But remind you, I, I don't know if anybody just heard that. That was, that was a fire, a fire truck. truck. Um, but I don't know, you know, Kai Fact was a little far away. Yeah. So they didn't want to move at all, I guess. 
Unfortunately, no official autopsy documents remain in existence. Of course not. However, a lot can be gathered from references to them in other police files. All of the victims died from blunt force trauma. Sounded like it. I knew you were To the head. Yeah. Although there were other confusing injuries that were noted that might have suggested two or more murder weapons. Most of the impacts hit the victims on the right side of the head, but this does not help us know if they were facing their killer or if the killer came up behind them. We don't know what that was. Hmm. None of the victims displayed any defensive wounds, which may indicate they were hit from behind. Some of the wounds were puncture-like or star-shaped, which was inconsistent with a blood bludgeoning tool. But could it have been like a branding iron? I guess at this point it could be anything. True. Unfortunately, despite being found in two separate areas, little Kazelia and Joseph seem to have received the most brutality. Yeah. Pick your jaw up. Okay. Because they can't see you. I, I, I know. You're just dumbfounded. The police report described brain, brain and skull matter splattered on the ceiling above the crib and the bed next to Joseph's body. Kazelia Gabriel had a neck injury as well that may have been like a slit throat or simply just a tear from a sharp bludgeoning weapon. They don't know. Tragically, the path, pathologists believe that had Kazelia, young Kazelia, been found in time, she might actually have survived. Instead, she was found dead with patches of her own hair in her hand. So it seems that after she had been attacked, she actually had been alive for a few hours, um, pulling her hair out from her own head in either extreme pain or anxiety before she just succumbed to death. Oh my God. So, so tragic. It, it, it is unbelievably tragic. And, um, again, this is where I'm going to leave you. Um, I do have, um, and I can show this to you right now, Amanda, but this is the overhead view of the home. So see okay. how it's like, it's all connected in some of the photos that I have of the farm and property. It doesn't, I did not know everything was connected. So the barn and the feeding stalls are actually connected to the house. Um, and these are obviously where bodies were found. I will post this photo so that everybody can see it. Um, um, I just wanted to circle back real quick. You were talking about a threshing yeah. floor. Yeah. For you guys who don't know what that is, it's, um, a threshing floor is just like a wood or something hard, hard surface floor where hay can be spread or spread out. Okay. See, I didn't know that. I've worked on a farm, yeah. but I didn't know the terminology. So thank you. They're for not really that called up. that anymore, but. Well, it was 1922. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so now we know that all six are murdered. And it just is not adding up. Lorenz is sketchy as freaking hell. Yeah. I mean, Something's I don't trust right. him no. for anything. Um, mind you, he he says that, you know, 
he found bodies in the barn. There's clearly more than two, and he just went to go look for, quote unquote, his son. But he, which nine years later he says, says is not, not his son. So I don't know, and I also don't like that he moved everything around. Yeah. As soon as you find one dead body, maybe that's where you go. Oh, oh we gotta shit, go this get somebody. Crazy. Yeah. But the thing is, is everybody's like, yeah, but he was looking for his son. Okay, but there were three people there. You couldn't have sent somebody sooner. Right. And Why? again, not touch everything. So, that being said, very sketchy. I don't like the policeman. Nope. At all. Nope. That that guy had no idea what was going on. I think I already said it. He didn't know his ass from his elbow. No. And I'm already going to call it. It wasn't a robbery going wrong. I, Clearly. I, no. Clearly. No. He said that things were tossed about. But then he said they weren't. Which is it, dude? Which is it? I'm telling you, Loren sure knows a lot about this family. Right. For them to not be social. Especially their finances. Why does he know everything? You don't go around sharing that stuff, especially in 1922. You don't go around telling people. Especially when you're being, like, almost blackmailed. Because Loren's was like, I'm not marrying your daughter unless you stop sleeping with her. And then I'll tell everybody. And they're like, whoa, we don't want you telling everybody. It's a little bit much. So we're going to end there. When we come back for the last episode, hopefully it's the last episode. I'm hoping this does not drag out to four. No, no, no. We'll get it done in three. We'll get it done in three. So hopefully we can get this all together. There's still a lot that has happened. We still need to look at some suspects because there are those. But I know. But at least we got through finally... Yeah. The murderous dessert. Murderous dessert. We're going to put that on a shirt, y'all. That's, yeah. That I, I picture it as like a big scoop of vanilla ice cream with... Blood dripping off of it? Yeah. It would be strawberry. Strawberries. Yeah. It would look like coagulated blood. Oh, I don't like the word coagulated. <laughs> I don't like any of that. It makes me think of cottage cheese. Oh. The meat of the murder and murderous desserts. This is where my head goes. This is, this is... This is just my life. So have a great week, guys. Come join us for part three, hopefully the end. Um, And hopefully this recording does not have any weird noises in it. Let's hope not. Oh, gosh. Bye, guys. Bye.